0: you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth
1: let freedom And welcome to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm with Don's Bikes of Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman this week. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back next week. I do need to make my normal disclaimer, and that is that I am not a professional radio talk show host. I just sound like one. Actually, the fact of the matter is I'm just a regular person just like you, but I'm very politically incorrect, and I have a big fat mouth. And I'm not afraid to use it, which, of course, makes me the perfect fill and host for Ed. But before we get down to business, I need to point out the founder of The Feast, the main sponsor of the show. And that, of course, is Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. WCC is based in Southern California with offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing... Call Ed at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone, find him at WCCLoans.com, where he has all kinds of mortgage information just for you. And if you want to apply for a loan right away, go to the Loan Center tab and click on the Apply Now button, or if you'd like to email him first, click on the contact page, fill out the form, it goes directly to Ed and his team. If there's any part of the main event that you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net and click on the podcast page You can all, and listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can download it on your iPad, your iWatch, your eyeballs, your iPad, your MaxiPad, whatever works. Be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where he tweets about current events all along, all week long, and like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event ed Hoffman. Joining me in studio is my co-host, Jody Swan, aka that conservative girl. Jody, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, you had a good time last time. I sure did. Excellent. Well, I thought we would start off the show with a little bit of political trivia. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. True or false? Elizabeth Warren authored a cookbook called Pow Wow Chow. True or false?
2: <laughs> I'm going to say false on that one.
1: The answer is you're wrong. It's true. It is. I, I didn't make that up. <laughs> no. Which is so ridiculous. Yeah, she authored a cookbook called Pow Wow Chow. I looked it up. No. And she laughed, yeah, no, it's true. I thought about getting it for you for Christmas. You no, know, you're a mom of four. You got one on the way.
2: <laughs> if that is actually true, please get it for That's me.
1: That's true. Here's another thing that you probably don't know. And this this actually... Could have big implications for the 2020 race if she does run. Did you know that Elizabeth Warren had to see a psychiatrist at one point?
2: I would say that's definitely true. Okay,
1: actually, that's false. But no, here's, here's actually what happened. <laughs> she
2: should see a psychiatrist.
1: She should. What happened, though, was she walked into a psychiatrist's office, and over and over again, she kept saying, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee. The psychiatrist looked at her and said, sit down, you're too tense.
2: <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, you like that. I that's very good. I right. think that may be my favorite of the jokes you've told.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, well I'm just getting warmed up, so put your seatbelt <laughs> okay. on. All right, topic number one is the breakaway caravan reaches the border. Can I have the caravan theme music, please? They come to America. They come to America today. Yeah, they are. They're coming to America. And today, as a matter of fact. Amid President Trump's vow to keep the huge Central American migrant caravan from coming into the country, a breakaway caravan of several hundred arrived in Tijuana on Wednesday aboard nine buses. Meanwhile, U.S. troops continue to deploy to our side of the border, led by Secretary of Defense James Mad Dog Mattis, who also arrived on Wednesday. According to Tijuana's head of migrant services, the group immediately went to a stretch of the border fence to celebrate after exiting the buses. After visiting the border fence, the migrants were taken to Tijuana shelters in groups of 30 or 40. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had this to say about the approaching caravan. You shall not pass! All right, that wasn't Pompeo. That was actually Gandalf the Grey from Lord of the Rings. But you get the idea. Uh, Here's a news report from Fox's Trace Gallagher. You hear some of the migrants showing off for the news cameras. 350 migrants have now arrived at the border in tijuana
3: dozens of them scaled a fence and taunted border patrol officers others stood at the fence or hung out on the beach but they want their presence known to
1: both the border patrol and the media jody
2: can you translate for me i've been told catracho means Honduran. So I mean what are they going to say now? How can you say this isn't an invasion? They're they're coming at us with their flags of their home country. They're yelling, you know, slang, I'm Honduran, I'm Guatemalan, whatever what have you. This is an invasion. I mean
1: Well, I guess, and is that the point of leaving it cuz things really stink where you came from? You know, Good you know what point. I mean? I mean, that's the point. I mean, if you really want a dear Dear us, why don't you have American flags? Wouldn't that be a better approach? Yeah, because at least we'd know that maybe you've got some patriotism there. You want to become an American. Yeah,
2: It's so great. Why aren't you leaving? Why aren't you holding the Mexico flag?
1: Yeah, right. Well, and here's the the other thing apparently they're going to a point on the border where there's like virtually no fence, right? They're they're coming to California, of Mm -hmm. course. Yeah, so we're going to be stuck with them instead of Texas. I don't know. Do you see any footage of this? Can you act, Did you see the some of the video showing them at this section of the border? Yeah.
2: I mean, when when they said they're they're taunting them, I mean, that's accurate.
1: They're, right. they're
2: sitting there, you know, throwing signs up and, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do?
1: Well, I, don't, I mean, when I saw the stretch of the fence, though, I'm thinking, yeah, they pick the weakest part of the fence. I mean, I could climb over
2: this thing. Right. And that's a good point. I mean, that's why we need the wall. There's so many. And there we're lucky there's even a fence there at all, because there's lots of stretches of the border where there's literally nothing i mean they have to cross over like a little pond that half the time is doesn't even it's dry it doesn't have water in it so it's unbelievably easy for these people to enter the country
1: i'm also wondering what was the point of sending the military down there i mean what are they doing you know what
2: i mean well
1: and how did they not know that they were going to show up at this stretch of the fence can't we like track them with drones or something to see which way they're going
2: yeah I, i it could get bad though I mean, and that's what I think they want, the people that are funding this, because it is being funded, you know, oh, you to the so? tune of millions think, of dollars.
1: Oh, OK, you know, they're not coming over on their own is what you're saying. No. OK, well, well, we all get it. I mean, look, the Dems have lost the middle class and they need the votes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. So we're going to change the whole demographic of the country to get the Dems in power for forever.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and if it does get ugly, that's what are they going to say? You know, Trump is evil. His administration is evil. They're shooting people. They're taking people into custody. They're separating families. Right.
1: I, I think they're waiting for that photo op, you know, the mm-hmm. one that has like the the uh, somebody from the military with a gun mm-hmm. and there's the crying woman with her children. Right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If they can find any actual women and children in there. I haven't seen any no. in the pictures and the footage that I've seen. It's all like, men like 35 and under, like 90 percent of these people are men, 35 and under, able bodied, should have stayed in their own countries where they could easily have a, a job. It's Ridiculous.
1: I think there's like two or three women, but they could be. Guys in drag for all. I know this, sure,
2: <laughs> let's not assume their gender. Yeah,
1: please. that's true. Um, as you probably guess, someone had to bus in these people, organize them, and coach them. Um, here's more from Trace Gallagher's report that many of these migrants are being coached by groups like Puebla
3: Sin Fronteras, or People Without Borders, a Chicago-based immigration advocacy group. In fact, even left-leaning news organizations like the LA Times and Washington Post have reported that members of Puebla Sin Fronteras are embedded with the caravan. And our sources tell us these types of groups are guiding the migrants. For example, Mexico has offered most of these people both asylum and jobs, and yet they continue heading north. Also, they could move toward the u.s border in texas but instead they go the long way hundreds of miles out of their way toward tijuana and that's because the goal is to get to california take advantage of the state's sanctuary laws and the benefits that go along with that of course once thousands begin arriving in the next few weeks sympathetic groups will be at the border to greet them
1: comments
2: (laughs) well i mean There will be the sympathetic groups at the border, and I wonder what they will do, you know, when their daughter is raped or when, you know, their cousin is murdered or when they're related to a Kate Steinle. Yeah, no, I was going to
1: say that's the part that doesn't get factored into this, because I don't know, what does it cost? You know, if we've got four or five, I don't know, eight thousand of these people, who knows how many people are actually coming across? What does it cost to, like, take care of these people for a year? I mean, we're talking 40, 50 grand.
2: Well, and here's the thing, too. If you think these people just organized by themselves and came here without any money or food or medical attention or water, you're silly. I mean, this this has been orchestrated, like I said, to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. These people were brought here. You know, they they want the pictures of there being a scene, like you said. The military having guns and pointing in them at some lady in a, with a stroller, you know, who will probably be a plant. Right. I haven't seen any actual pictures of, of, you know, women, the women who did have babies, most of them turned back. They were like, you know, this is too much. Right.
1: So well, they, they, and you can spot the people that are with Pueblos and Fronteras because they're the ones wearing the suits and ties and carrying briefcase <laughs> in case you wondered. <laughs> uh, yet the liberal media continues to mock those of us who are threatened by this invasion.
2: The president, along with his favorite TV network, were beating the drum on the looming so-called invasion, as they put it.
3: The programming on the caravan was propaganda. It was political campaign-motivated propaganda. Trump is like a racist Paul Revere, you know, the migrants are coming, the migrants are coming.
0: He keeps calling it an invasion. Yes, an invasion of strollers. He made news by ratcheting up the caravan scare talk and the troop numbers he believes are needed to meet this alleged threat.
1: You know, here's the funny if if all these people coming across the border were going to vote Republican, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer would be there themselves with bricks and mortar. Absolutely, right? They would yeah. they would have this thing walled off in a New York minute, and and the people that want this, in my opinion, are complete hypocrites. I mean, and here's the thing too, they don't want to be around it. I mean, I have literally seen whole cities, whole communities overwhelmed by illegal immigrants. I mean, I have to learn Spanish to be able to take care of customers in many cases. They're not interested in learning English. They're not interested in assimilating and becoming Americans, which is part of my problem with this whole thing. Uh, My father-in-law actually came from Mexico legally. Went through the system. At that point, you had to have a job. You had to have a sponsor. Mm -hmm. You had to take English classes. You had to take history classes. And he was proud to become an American citizen. Raised five conservative kids, by the way. Also, Actually, five conservative girls and one conservative boy. Wow. That was pretty cool. Um, But, you know, the the point is that the people who are advocating for this, even people that I know, I have a a far left buddy of mine. And I always I ask these questions and I said, what do you
2: think of the caravan? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll let him in. Ugh. He like okay, let, let him in. Well, why don't you house them then? Why well, don't you take in an immigrant? Well, exactly. I mean, because Why cause don't he's- you assume that
1: risk? He's not going to pay for it. Right. And and the funny thing is, he's such a hypocrite. The funny thing is, at one point, because he moved out of the area, by the way, and asked him, I said, <laughs> so you don't live around here anymore. And he said, this is his quote. He said, yeah, that area was getting a little too brown for me. <gasps> yeah. Stop. Yeah. No, I'm serious. This is the guy that thinks it's OK. And he's, he's racist himself. I guess my point is, he doesn't want to be around it. He doesn't want to have he doesn't want to live around a bunch of Hondurans. He doesn't want to have his kids going to a school that's overwhelmed with illegal alien kids. He doesn't want to have to go to the emergency room like I have on many occasions. And it's packed full of people that don't speak English. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like that mentality of, of Obamacare. I mean, if if you like your doctor, you can keep it. Oh, OK, well, then I'll support Obamacare as long as it doesn't screw up my healthcare system.
2: Right. Well, and there's such a difference between the immigrants who come here illegally versus the immigrants who do it the right way. I mean, the immigrants who do it the right way turn out like Young Kim, you know, the first Korean American congresswoman, or they turn out like Naomi Rao, who is, is nominated to fill Judge Kavanaugh's seat. On the uh, Court of Appeals. So then then the ones who do it illegally end up murdering the Kate Steinleys and end up, you know, in our prison system forever and being deported a million times and coming back. I mean, there's a huge difference between an individual who is willing to submit to a background check and prove that they can be a contributing member of society and support themselves versus somebody who just wants to hop the border
1: yeah, I mean, how do you screen these people anyways? I mean, they've got no paperwork. Mm-hmm. They have no, no, how do you even determine whether they're eligible to come in the United States or not? And the fact of the matter is we're now up to what, 20, 30 million people here living illegally. And that's costing us a lot. I mean, you can listen to all the pundits that say, no, they're a net positive on the economy. There's just no way.
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, it costs more money in one year to pay for the births. Of these illegal immigrants who come here and have babies here, than it would to put up the wall. So there, and that's just a statistic from the government. I mean, you can look it up. So there's no arguing that they are a drain on our economy. And by the way, the United States immigration policy is already very generous. We already allow a million people a year to come here illegal, to come here legally, a million people. Okay. So it's not like we're being stingy. We just don't want the criminals. We, Like you said, we want to be able to vet people, make sure the terrorists aren't coming in. And by the way, there's lots of potential terrorists in the caravan. Reporters that have gone down there independently, because CNN and MSNBC won't do it. These independent reporters have found that there's people from um, Bangladesh. There's people from Africa. There's people from India. And those are terror hotbeds. OK, so we can only assume that if you've come over here from Bangladesh, where there's a huge radical Muslim population and you've infiltrated yourself into this caravan, why have you done that? You know, do you have malicious intentions? These are questions we need to ask. And they're not racist to ask them.
1: Yeah you know, The funny thing is you you bring that up because I've looked at footage yesterday, and I looked at a couple guys on bus and I'm like, wait a minute, you're not from Honduras. You know <laughs> what I mean? I don't know if you saw that, but I'm like, no, I mean, I'm not that I'm an expert on. on Honduras, but it's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> So we'll see where that goes. Uh, to me, the whole situation is is a mess. It's a disaster. And you know what? I blame I blame blame presidents all the way back. Reagan was a pro- was part of this problem by giving amnesty to all the people that were here l- illegally. I don't hear a whole lot of conservatives saying that, but they've all been part of this problem from Clinton to Bush, Carter. All of them. And we've got a lot of Americans that that are dead now, and and, and would be alive had we had you know more of a handle on this border thing so it's it's a tragedy and we'll see where this goes to me it's like how are we going to stop them from getting in that's the big question they're taunting the border patrol they know mm-hmm. they're coming in uh and we're not going to do anything about it it's it's a tragedy it could get ugly yeah it could be messy topic number 2 florida's election saga Uh, It's the year 2000 all over again as Florida is once again the center of contested elections for office. Incumbent Senator Bill Nelson and Democrat Party officials are looking to the courts to help them find votes to narrow the margin in Nelson's bid for re-election against Republican challenger Governor Rick Scott. Before the recount, Scott led Nelson by around 20,000 votes. Now it's narrowed down to about 12,000. Things that make me go, yeah. Meanwhile, more clearly organized efforts to alter to alter the election outcome include the Miami-Dade County. About 108 provisional ballots were eliminated because they were from individuals who had voted twice. That's kind of interesting. Maybe they have split personalities. Uh, across the state, 93 provisional ballots and almost 3,700 mail-in ballots have been rejected by 45 counties, mostly because of mismatched signatures. When all is said and done, the total number of rejected ballots in Florida is estimated to be about 5,000. The federal judge who heard Bill Nelson's case has ruled that the voters who were were belatedly notified that their mismatched signatures disqualified their ballots have until Saturday at 5 p.m. to correct the problem. And Palm Beach County gets a five-day extension to finish counting their ballots. They can't get their act together, so they're getting like, like a week to figure <laughs> this out. But as always, the biggest problem child in Florida is Broward County, where a whopping 83,000 ballots mysteriously showed up after Election Day, supposedly because of a misprinted date on election forms. Here's a local Fox reporter in Florida with more details. We now know that the Democratic Party did, in fact, rally his supporters to make
3: sure they get their mail-in ballots fixed if there are problems and finalized before the deadline. The bad news for Bill Nelson is that they got the dates mixed up and they gave the wrong deadline, telling people that you've got until Thursday, November 8th. The election was Tuesday, November 6th, and the evidence for this is leading to the work of the Democratic Party of Florida sending out these government forms, writing in the wrong date, effectively confusing people. This is something that seems to have affected voters, specifically in Broward County and three other counties.
1: All right. So here's the question of those 83,000 ballots that mysteriously showed up. How many of them them do you think are Democrat? Exactly. Like probably all of them.
2: Yeah. I think Trump was right when he said um, this is not incompetence. Like this, this is dangerous. This is, you know, these people are trying to steal an election. This is
1: like full on fraud. Yeah. Here's another detail you can't make up. Also in Broward County, provisional ballot boxes were found in the back of an Avis rental car. (laughs) You were the one that brought this to my attention. Uh, you want to talk about that for a sec?
2: Sure. So Laura Loomer was actually the one who broke the story. Very good conservative investigative reporter who the media, of course, is very much against. Like Twitter won't verify her account or anything like that. She broke this story. Um, this happened last weekend. A Democrat, a, a man of color who had donated to uh, Andrew Gillum's campaign and who I think was working for the campaign, because the research that I did, he's got pictures on his Facebook, you know, with the Gillum with his arm around this guy. Anyways, he's from Fort Lauderdale, but for some reason, rented a vehicle from Avis at the Fort Lauderdale airport and then returned it last Sunday uh, with ballot boxes, provisional ballot boxes, two of them in the backseat of the car. So this Avis employee looks in the back and he's like, "Uh, what do I do with this? Uh, tries to get law enforcement involved. They basically say, we don't care. We're not sending anyone out. Um, and then a GOP committeeman gets notified. And that's when law enforcement cares all of a sudden, because uh, Richard Dana the the GOP committeeman, starts posting Facebook videos and uh, I'm sorry, Twitter videos and, and pictures Uh, So all of a sudden it's getting some attention that these ballot boxes showed up in the backseat of a car mysteriously that that a local Democrat had rented out. Why would you need to even rent a car if you live there? I guess there are certain circumstances where you might need to. But I mean, that already is suspicious. Um, uh, Yeah, so they're they're turning up everywhere. I mean, this isn't the first election where we have ballots turning up in the back of a car.
1: Yeah, exactly. It happened in Al Franken's campaign as well. Who is primarily responsible for the debacle in Broward County? Well, it's their election supervisor, Brenda Snipes, no relation to Wesley, who, among (laughs) all these other problems, was also caught counting provisional ballots illegally. Mm -hmm. Here's Florida Senator Marco Rubio on that she decided to take 205 of them and count them on her own without submitting them the right
3: way to this provisional to the canvassing board when that was discovered she said all right i'll give it to the canvassing board but she had already separated the ballots from the envelopes they found 20 of them to be invalid but then there's no way to match the ballots to the envelope when you separate them so then she submitted 205 votes to the state out of that batch 20 of them, at least 20 of them, are invalid votes. Now she claims that they're not part of the count, which contradicts what her lawyer said a few days ago. So when someone that incompetent is sitting on thousands of ballots, we don't know how many they are, she's not regularly reporting them, of course we're going to be concerned about that.
1: Well, Snipes is no stranger to attempts at rigging elections, and yes, that includes letting dead people vote. How come they allow dead Democrats to vote, is my question. <laughs> Last March, a judge ruled that Snipes has implemented a reasonable effort to remove the names of ineligible voters from the official list of eligible voters by reason of death or change of address. The ruling came in response to a 2017 lawsuit by the American Civil Civil Rights Union, In that case, Snipes was represented by lawyers from the group's demos and Project Vote, both of which, interestingly enough, are funded by who else? George Soros. Despite all this and everyone's favorite Floridian, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a woman who's never had a good hair day, is standing (laughs) by her woman. She's followed the process as Florida law prescribes,
3: and there's been absolutely nothing amiss that has been found
1: by Rick Scott's own Department of State election monitors. The process is simply working. Gotta love Debbie. (laughs) Maybe Debbie's defending Brenda Snipes because of what Snipes did for her in the 2016. Yes, there's more. (laughs) <laughs> in another lawsuit this May, a judge ruled that Snipes had violated both state and federal law in 2016 after she destroyed ballots in the congressional primary, which was just happened to help Wasserman Schultz, who won reelection by less than 7000 votes against her challenger, Tim Canova. This case also exposed that Snipes staff had opened ballots in private on Election Day 2016. But if you ask Brenda Snipes, she's the victim here.
2: The lawsuits as they are written certainly cast aspersions on my character and I've worked here for about 15 years and I have to say this is the first time that this office or I have been under such attacks. So uh, if we make mistakes, we own mistakes.
1: You know, I hate to be rude, but mama looks sketch.
2: You know, she sounds awfully sweet, but this is not her first time.
1: No. Well, and and she's a doctor, too, right? She's a doctor. Well, I've heard her referred to as Dr. Brenda Snipes a few times. So I'm thinking, you know.
2: A doctor of what?
1: A doctor of what? And what's she doing counting votes if she's a doctor?
2: Great point. Yeah, this is not the first time. In fact, in the last local election, there were three lawsuits filed. Three. Three of them, just because she's opening and altering ballots. And that was just a local election. I mean, this is just a, this is a mess on a well, national level. Yeah. And, and it's the, her fault. And the question is, what is this woman still doing there? Exactly. If she was a Republican, she wouldn't be there. But then, you know, she's helped a lot of Democrats.
1: Right. Well, apparently. And and again, the big question becomes when you have these, these extended elections that are supposed to be over, like, I mean, how, how come we're, this is the United States, it's 2018, why are we still doing this? Why, why are we still using paper ballots? Why are we still doing these recounts a week later? We still don't know the results. And I'll tell you, whenever whenever you have a recount like this, it never goes the way of the Republicans. Never, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: Right. Makes me think, hmm, I don't know. Well, we're just about out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for part two. We've got a little bit of news, traffic, and weather, and we'll be right back. Let freedom ring. Let the- welcome back to the main event i am scott mcafee i'm with Don's bicycle store in rialto and redlands and i'm filling in fred Hoffman this week ed is on vacation he will be back next week once again i am not a professional radio talk show host just an incredible simulation and uh back with me in studio is my co-host jody swan aka that conservative girl welcome back jody thank you so much so in the last part of the show, we talked about the Florida debacle. I don't know how else you can call it, anything other than that. And we also talked about the fact that whenever there seems to be a recount, it never goes the way of the Republicans, does it? Sure doesn't. So here in the, uh, in the next half of the show, I wanted to bring in an expert. So with us on the line is Ruth Weiss. She is the co-founder and vice president of the Election Integrity Project. They monitor elections throughout California. Ruth, welcome to the main event. Thank you so very much. Well, thanks for coming on. And a couple of questions for you. Um, What you guys do, you observe polling places, you do monitoring to make sure there's no hanky-panking going on. What kind of things did you observe in this last election cycle and here in California?
4: We observed an uptick in what we have been observing since 2012 when we first began our observation program. Ah, uh, we have a lot of observers that we train, and that's the difference between what we do and other groups do. Our people are well trained in the California election law. They know what to look for, they know how to report it, and they also know how to step in lawfully and get things changed at that moment so we can straighten some of the problems up. But we saw a huge uptick again in the number of people whose registrations appear to have been changed without their knowledge and without their permission. And we saw an uptick in the number of people who were expecting a vote by mail ballot and that ballot never arrived. So they were showing up at the polls and all of those individuals then wound up having to vote provisionally. So we have mountains of provisional ballots with not enough time to really accurately evaluate them and count them. Um, It's chaos. I know it's really easy to to think about Florida and some of these other states where the chaos has been a little bit more um, elaborate and and obvious, but uh, the, the chaos in California elections uh, needs to be looked at as well. Uh, we really have tremendous lawlessness because most of our election code that matters in terms of ballot security and voter privacy are simply being ignored. And then we have this push to get every single person to vote by mail, whether they want to or not. And those ballots, of course, go through all kinds of craziness at the counting centers. And it's a, it's a huge tool for potential error and fraud. And it's, it's very frightening to those of us who really know how the sausage is made.
2: It's interesting that you say that because I heard so many people say that um, they either had run out of provisional ballots and now you're saying you had to give a lot of them out or I heard a ton of people say, "Um, I've been voting for 30 or 40 years and then I turned up to my polling place and my, my name is not on the list. So I'm wondering just what can you as an organization do about all of that?
4: Well, that's the dilemma that we're facing right now. We are an educational and a research organization. We are not legal foundation. We don't have a bevy of attorneys, but we do have a relationship with a couple of national legal firms right now. In fact, there is a lawsuit being carried on our behalf. We are the main plaintiff in a judicial watch lawsuit. Because of our research, um, they came forward and filed a lawsuit against the uh, Secretary of State of California and also the Registrar of Voters of Los Angeles County for failure to maintain voter rolls, for thousands and maybe tens and hundreds of thousands of people on the voter rolls who shouldn't be there, deceased, people who have moved, many, many duplicates, uh, lots of inactives who have not been inactivated by, uh, as per federal law. And so this lawsuit is, uh, is charging those individuals with not uh, following the, the Section 8 of the National Voter Registration Act. We are also um, in uh, in relationship with another national law firm that's looking at all of our documentation because we have documentation of civil rights violations and criminal activity and all kinds of things that someone else is going to have to take the baton and run with. Right now, we are, are looking at California election law attorneys to see if some of the stuff that happened in this particular election might possibly be actionable even prior to certification, so that we might be able to take a look at what went on in California, because we do not believe that these results are at all what the people voted for.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I heard rumors of like buses, people being bussed in, homeless people being bussed in, registered that day, and then they're allowed to vote and then they pick up their sandwich afterwards. Um, I, I was under the impression that the final day to register to vote was like, and that's what I kept telling all my young employees, was like October the 22nd. How do people vote the day of how Did you hear about this? Is this anything you're aware of?
4: Yes, it's a brand new law uh, that is now implemented as a result of getting a statewide voter database in place, which we were 14 years or so in arrears of doing when every other state had it. But now we're looking at the database we have and realizing that it is not ready for prime time. It is very faulty and it's causing more problems than it is uh, solutions. But once that went into effect, we could implement the same what they call same day registration. Uh, which means that if you've missed the deadline of 15 days out from election day, you can go to your elections office in your county and you can register right there at the counter and cast a ballot at that same moment. That becomes a provisional ballot. Your registration becomes a conditional registration and it goes through the same process as any other registration. Once that registration is validated and the registrar hears that you are indeed a legitimate voter, then the provisional ballot you cast can be counted if that process got completed before the certification of the election. And so that opens the doors. You are right to people going and gathering busloads of people who are not engaged, who couldn't care less, who have no idea what an election is, let alone who's running. And you can just bus them and van them to the polls. It's And it's not illegal to give people a ride to the polls. And if you can prove they're being remunerated with a sandwich, that's a different thing. But uh, it just opens the doors to quasi legal behavior to get just stuff the ballot box.
2: So you're obviously an expert on this. I'm wondering what your take is on Florida.
4: Oh wow! Well, what happened in Florida <laughs> is is a lot of what's happening in California, and that election law was simply not followed. It was they just summed their nose at election law and said, it, "The law says we have to do X, but we're going to do Y, and so what can you do about it? Do me." And that's been happening in Broward County more than one election. They just simply don't care what the law is. And we, as in other places in our culture these days, we are losing respect for the rule of law. When you do that, you get anarchy. And that's what you're seeing a microcosm of in Florida.
2: That's very true. I mean, you're right. We're seeing this all around and this is just another symptom of it. Yeah. One
1: of the things we talked about in the last segment was, you know, finding boxes of ballots in rental cars, Right. I mean, you know, and and these what was it, like eight thousand votes that just show up afterwards. They mysteriously just like appear. I guess my concern, you know, I think a group like yours is wonderful. And and thank you for doing the work that you do. Unfortunately, I feel that a lot of the hanky panky goes on like behind the scenes. You know, it's during the counting process Mm -hmm. uh, when a lot of this fraud might potentially take place because there's no it doesn't seem like there's any oversight, you know, once the county begins. Is that correct?
4: You are absolutely correct. Um, And as California has pushed more people to vote uh, in this convenient voting sort of atmosphere where people vote by mail when they don't need to, and people vote provisionally because they just don't feel like going to the right place or or something like that, it's voter irresponsibility. And and so we're uh, enabling all of that to happen, which means more of the actual counting that matters takes place behind closed doors. So our organization is starting to shift its focus uh, now that we have 60% or more of the ballots coming in in envelopes that have to be processed. And people who who cast these envelopes don't understand. They don't just arrive at the registrar's office, get ripped open, and get counted. There is a huge process with hundreds of hands that every ballot goes through, and every one of those steps could cause something wrong to happen either by mistake or intentionally. We need people's eyes on that process. So our observation program and our citizen involvement program is going to shift toward that. In fact, we've had a lot of observers out in quite a few uh, California counties right now. They're still there because of the shenanigans going on. Ventura County is a big one. Very, very severe problems going on in the counting effort in Ventura County. Uh, problems in L.A. County where we don't have as big um, involvement there, which we would like to do. San Diego County is stuffed with people uh, down there watching the count because every time a signature is allowed to go through that doesn't match, you know, that's a vote that gets through that, that cancels out someone else's legitimate vote. The the vote count that we have now in California due to the number of envelope ballots is simply an approximation. It's a it's a guess as to what the people wanted instead of an absolute vote. And we should never, never have our democratic process rely on a subjective situation, which is exactly what's happening now. And I don't know if you're aware of the fact that within two to four years, six at the most, we will all receive a vote by mail ballot if we've asked for it or not. And all of our precinct voting locations are going to go away. And we are going to be stuffed with this uh, vote center model and, and I'm sure you don't have time to go into it now, but people need to look into that and realize what's happening and realize that even in that model, they do retain the right to vote in person. And they really should take advantage of that because that's the only vote that has the chance of being uh, absolutely counted the way you cast it.
1: Final question for you. What can be done to fix this problem?
4: Oh, wow. You know, it's a big thing. We believe right now that we're not going to begin to crack the shell and solve anything without federal intervention. Uh, A lot of federal laws are being broken, and the DOJ has for 10 years refused to even attempt to hold any state uh, accountable to follow federal law. And so we are bringing attention to the DOJ and the DHS with respect to that. Uh, What hasn't been mentioned today, that happens in Florida, happens in California, and a lot of other states is an uncalculable number of people voting who are not citizens. And we need to get a handle on that. We need to have maybe a federal law in place to deal with non-citizen voting, because every single state has a law that says only citizens can vote, but they're not enforcing that in any realistic way. And California is the worst. And and we incentivize uh, non-citizen voting, which is is horrific. Horrific. For uh, for a a culture and a democracy, so uh, it's very important for us to realize that right now federal intervention might be the first way to go, and uh, maybe this lawsuit that we have, if if we ever uh, get some results out of it, this might be the first thing as we're holding them accountable to a federal law. Uh, But that the citizens need to get behind what's going on; they need to realize that the machinery is going to work against them unless they show up and say, I'm going to watch this process, I'm going to give my two hours, and I'm going to make sure that, that signatures are validated properly. And if they take the responsibility to learn what the laws are and to vote in the most responsible way, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. Ruth,
1: thank you so much for coming on with us. How do people learn more about your organization?
4: Our website is ei. P, that stands for Election Integrity Project, EIP-CA.com. We have lots of information there, ways to sign up to get our emails there, uh, all kinds of research tools. So we encourage people to go to that website, EIP-CA.com, and do it often because content changes. I think you might be very surprised at what you see.
1: Great. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you. All right, rolling into topic number three, Hillary Clinton running again. Oh, boy. (laughs) And Hillary's running again. Yes, Hillary Clinton will reinvent herself as a liberal firebrand and mount a third presidential bid in 2020. At least that's what her longtime advisor, Mark Penn, predicted in an op-ed for The Wall Street Journal this week. Get ready for Hillary Clinton 4.0, more than 30 years in the making, This new version of Mrs. Clinton, where she runs for president in 2020, will come full circle back to the universal health care promoting progressive firebrand of 1994. Penn wrote, Hillary won't let a little thing like two stunning defeats stand in the way of her claim to the White House. Penn made an appearance on Martha McGallum's show this week to elaborate. Don't underestimate Hillary's positioning to run again. She's got a
3: 75% approval among Democrats. She's positioned herself with the core of the Democratic base. And I think she's going to sit back, see how this develops. If she does go, it will be because no one emerges as a clear frontrunner. It looks like the, the, the party is splintered in lots of different ways, and she can come in.
1: You know, I don't know about you, but when I hear this, I think to myself, yes, God, please run the pantsuit wearing robot from (laughs) hell one more time.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, liberal firebrand, like the woman can't make it up a few steps without collapsing. Firebrand, really? Yeah. (laughs) Bring it on.
1: Bring it on, says Jody Swan. Um, And I hope she shows up and when she announced, I hope she shows up wearing that outfit that kind of looks a lot like my grandmother's couch.
2: (laughs) You know that one? Who she I mean, she can afford a stylist. You would think she needs what, help here's a question I have to ask
1: you as a woman, yeah, some of the times I see her doing appearances she's not wearing any makeup mm. I mean, what's up with that? Is that like to garner the sympathy vote, or what is that?
2: I think you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, partly, I think you know for to some degree, she just doesn't really care. I mean, Hillary is just kind of like a frumpy lady, like she's not <laughs> she's never going to get any attention for her looks, okay. Um, so I, that's, that's not her thing. I mean, if she did care, she, like you said, she wouldn't be showing up in outfits that look like your grandmother's couch or moo-moos. Like what is she wears? (laughs) Moo-moos to public appearances where she's paid lots of money. Why don't they put that in her writer? Like, why don't they demand that she looks presentable?
1: Hmm, That's a good question. Of course, the funny thing is, we talked about this the last week on the show. I asked you if Hillary's going to run. You said no.
2: No, I still think she's not going to because there's a lot. There are not a lot and not great candidates, but we do have Democrats emerging that are far and away more likely to win than Hillary Clinton.
1: Well, you got to admit, though, she's been she spent the last two years trying really hard to be relevant you know, book tours and speaking engagements and making commentary. Uh, what well, Didn't she say well, she was going to be leading the
2: resistance? Right. But like you said, trying really hard. It's so hard for her to actually be relevant. It's just she doesn't have it. She is not the politician that her husband is. I mean, people will tell you, Bill Clinton can walk into a room and you can't take your eyes off of him. He's magnetic. Hillary walks into the room and like the American flags start collapsing. We've you, seen you that. can't video wait to before. get your eyes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and the f- funny thing, too, is if she does decide to run, maybe we can see the reemergence of her lover. I mean, her assistant, Uma Abedin. <laughs>
2: I hope so. Well I think
1: you know Uma's gotten a bad rap. I mean
2: she's so much younger than Hillary. It's well so she is.
1: Ugh, yeah. Kind of, and I mean and I think she's been getting or... a bad rap though. I mean, whose family doesn't have direct ties to the Muslim Brotherhood? <laughs> Come on. We uh-huh. all do. And what woman wants to be a wiener anyway? <laughs> Everywhere she goes.
2: She can't get it right. Poor Huma. Uma. How do you even say it? Is it Huma? Or is it? <laughs> with a H-
1: With a? H-? Maybe that's the Jewish version. It's, it's Huma. She
2: is not a Jew.
1: No. Definitely not. Although her <laughs> husband is or was. Was he? Anthony Weiner. He's a Jew? Yeah.
2: Oh. Yeah. Well, of
1: he's course, t- neither one t- of them are probably a practicing. Terrible Jew. Yeah. I don't think either one of them are practicing. They're, you know, he's a. She's probably a fake they're, Muslim. They're
2: practicing some things, but it ain't religion.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Wanted to be a wiener, though, because it's like everywhere she goes, she has to introduce herself. I'm Uma Wiener, and these are my kids, Ima and Yora. Oh, boy. Uh, dozens of Democrats are already said to be considering running for president in 2020, with the front runners being Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Ted Cruz's Senate opponent, Beto O'Rourke. Although none of these people have spoken out to say they're running, another possible contender has, a knowing Democrat senator from New York, Kirsten Gillibrand. Are you staying in the Senate or are you going to run for president?
4: I've been thinking about it because, as we said earlier, what President Trump has been putting into this uh, country is so disturbing, so divisive, so dark, that uh, I believe
3: that I've been called to fight as hard as I possibly can to restore that moral integrity, that moral decency. That Um, sounds like a yes. So I'm thinking about it. it. Mm.
2: Moral integrity, moral decency.
1: There's a few people uh, missing off this list. Alec Baldwin wasn't on the list, right? (laughs) Nope. Uh, Also, Michael Avenatti. We were talking about him.
2: (laughs) I wonder why.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he could really swing the felon vote. (laughs) Didn't didn't he? He got arrested this past week. Sure did. Yeah. On uh, domestic abuse.
2: Yeah, he's beaten people.
1: Right. So didn't he like send out a tweet about something like that earlier?
2: He sent out a tweet in September. And um, let me tell you, it has not aged well. In September, here's what Michael Avenatti had to say. Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, and all of the other GOP misogynists in the U.S. Senate can attack me all they want. I will respond in kind and then some. These old white men still don't understand that assault victims and women deserve respect and to be heard. Nice. Do we have
1: a clip on Avenatti? I have never struck
3: a woman I never will strike a woman. I have been an advocate for women's rights my entire career, and I'm going to continue to be an advocate. I am not going to be intimidated
1: from stopping what I am doing.
2: Mm. That wasn't a canned statement I've never that was pretty heard bad one. well, now, there
1: was another comment that he made something to the effect of uh she hit me first, <laughs> yeah, so how do you reconcile <laughs> those two statements?
2: He is kind of an idiot, I mean, he says these things, and even you know when he's representing his clients he you just you can't believe him.
1: How about maybe an Avenati stormy Daniels ticket mm. have her on the v p spot ticket or movie? Well, it could be both, actually, which which it brings me to another point. I mean, I've got a good um, bumper sticker for a Stormy campaign. Oh, boy! well, you know, Hillary's was I'm with her. Uh Right. So if you're a Stormy fan, you could have I've had her (laughs) on a bumper sticker. (laughs) All right. Um, If Hillary does run against Trump and loses, I wonder if we'll hear the same old excuses again.
3: The use of uh, my email account was uh, turned into, you know, the biggest scandal since Lord knows when. They covered it like it was Pearl Harbor. If you look at Facebook... Uh, the vast majority of the news, news items posted were fake. There's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. I also think I was the victim of a very broad
1: assumption I was going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You lost because you're an awful candidate, you have no personality, and you have no soul.
2: Yeah. It's interesting to me that she thinks like five guys in Macedonia behind like a you know, a laptop that's fifteen years old influenced the election, but twenty to thirty million illegals didn't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus the fact that she had so much media in the tank for right out of the gate for free. Yeah. Which gives you like a ten point advantage, I think, yeah. right out of the starting gate. Oh no, yeah. All right, Trump's trip to France. President Trump traveled to Paris this week with intent to attend the ceremony commemorating the fallen American soldiers of World War I on its 100th anniversary. But before that, French President Amo- Amuel, Emmanuel. Emmanuel butchered <laughs> that one. Macron <laughs> took this dig at Trump during his address to the crowd. Address.
0: Patriotism is the exact opposite of nationalism.
1: Le nationalism... nationalism,
0: nationalism. nationalism is a betrayal of patriotism by saying our interests first who cares about the others. We erase what a nation holds dearest.
1: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Do we care what Pierre <laughs> Le Pew has to say? <laughs> Pew.
2: No, absolutely not. And you know the irony is that People on the left are me, 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 me about everything. OK, I want the right to kill my own child. If I'm a man, I want the right to go in the women's bathroom and then, you know, little girls can be molested. But then it comes to something like nationalism and it's like, no, 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 no. We can't have any pride in our own country. What no, which the heck?
1: Ex- which explains why the big fat mess that uh, France is in right now. Exactly. Who's that character from Beauty and the Beast? Is it the candle? Is it the French accent. Oh, no. oh. I can't.
2: I cannot take a man seriously speaking French. Okay, like that's not sexy. Oh, good for you. It's very beautiful when a woman does it, but when when Macron does it, I just it it ruins everything.
1: Later, the White House stated that the president and first lady's attendance at the ceremony had been canceled due to scheduling and logistical difficulties caused by the weather and that chief of and that chief of staff, John Kelly, would attend instead. The last minute cancellation prompted widespread criticism on social media. One of those critics was Nicholas Soames, a British member of parliament. British member of parliament who (laughs) happens to be the grandson of Winston Churchill. And then he said, uh, he tweeted out, they died with their face to the foe and that pathetic, inadequate, real Donald Trump couldn't even defy the weather to pay his respect to the fallen. President Trump and the first lady did attend other commemorating other events commemorating the war the next day. Trump explained the real reason they missed the cemetery event was because of the Secret Service. And uh, Trump's comment on this was, where is it? It's here somewhere. (laughs) By the way, when the helicopter couldn't fly to the first cemetery in France because of almost zero visibility, I suggested driving. Secret Service said no too far from the airport and with a big Paris shutdown. The point is, this guy's just taking a shot at Trump for no reason whatsoever.
2: Yeah. If you want to talk about fake news, there it is right there. I mean, Trump goes out of his way to make appearances. Look what he did at the demilitarized zone in North Korea. I mean, there was very little visibility there and very dangerous. And he still did the flyover. Um, So this is, you know, the man doesn't sleep. He wants to be there. Fake news. Everybody's saying that he didn't want to be there.
1: Well, that's just about a wrap for part two of the main event. Uh, Ed will be back next week. Jody Swan, once again, thank you so much for coming in and helping me out. Thanks for
2: having me. I had a great time.
1: The News Express, on this program, are Ben Hoffman, and his five guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 0937346.